This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hey guys, it's me, Justin. So, uh, no intro, no big production, no big song and dance. I want to play for you a amazing ad. It is my first favorite ad of the 2024 campaign. And I need to break it down line by line. We're going to get to an interview with uh, uh, Dave Leventhal uh, of Raw Story. We're going to talk all about the money. but But first, here is this ad. Ron DeSantis was struggling big time in his primary race for governor of Florida. Polls revealed DeSantis was failing so bad, he was losing by a staggering 17 points. Then DeSantis was saved by the endorsement of President Trump. Trump's support was so powerful. Just two days after the endorsement, DeSantis took a commanding lead and it propelled him to being elected governor. I'd like to thank our president for standing by me when it wasn't necessarily the smart thing to do. You're welcome, Ron. Unfortunately, instead of being grateful, DeSantis is now attacking the very man who saved his career. Isn't it time DeSantis remembers how he got to where he is? Make America great again. Build the wall. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. Truth is, there's only one person who can make America great again. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. As you might be able to tell, this is the first ad that the Trump 2024 campaign has placed in television rotation, by the way. This is not digital only. This is not just for Truth Social. This is going to be on television markets in Iowa, New Hampshire, and other various primary states where he is attacking Ron DeSantis, who is not yet running for president. But I want to read this line by line here. So here we go. Ron DeSantis was struggling big time in his primary race for governor of Florida. We're just going to pause right there. Struggling big time in his primary race for governor of Florida. When you know that the ad was written via dictation from Donald Trump himself. <laughs> the ad, it should sound like this. Ron DeSantis was struggling big time in his primary race from the governor of Florida. Are you taking this down? We continue. Polls revealed DeSantis was failing so bad he was losing by a staggering 17 points. This is intentional. And this is where I love the ad because sometimes it's smart. Sometimes it's very stupid. But this is intentionally put in there to show that DeSantis is losing by 17 plus now. In fact, in some polls, it's even more. So you're supposed to say, in your head, oh, wow, he's a loser. He sucks. The only thing about Ron DeSantis that I like is that Donald Trump likes him. And we know this because when Donald Trump doesn't like him, he is down 17 plus points. We continue. Then DeSantis was saved by the endorsement of President Trump. Trump's support was so powerful. Just two days after the endorsement, DeSantis took a commanding lead and it propelled him to being elected governor. Now, what's interesting about this is, number one, it shows that the 17-point underpolling was a bit of an outlier, and it shows that, you know, he was probably a little bit closer to winning uh, uh, or, or leading in the primary than anybody would, would say. I mean, if you played it out, it'd be curious to see where Ron DeSantis came in in that primary back in 2018. What it ignores is the fact that Ron DeSantis barely won his general election. He barely won. And that's because the Republicans did not have a great midterm in 2018. So now we cut to Ron DeSantis's quote. I'd like to thank our president for standing by me when it wasn't necessarily the smart thing to do. So this is DeSantis being humble. This is DeSantis uh, uh, being loyal, right? This is the quote that I will almost guarantee you, almost guarantee you, 
Donald Trump quotes to other people at Mar-a-Lago when he is talking mad, wild stuff about Ron DeSantis. He said it. He said, I, I was dumb to do it. And you want to know what? Maybe he was right. The narration continues. You're welcome, Ron. Unfortunately, instead of being grateful, DeSantis is now attacking the very man who saved his career. I want to pause right here because this is the projection that makes this ad special to me. Let's understand that we are 80% through this ad at this point, right? And DeSantis is not being attacked on Social Security, not being attacked on whether or not Florida handled the lockdowns right, not being attacked on Disney and his fight with Disney. All these things that Trump has been hammering DeSantis on. And I think has far more to do with where DeSantis's polling level is right now. No, this is simply about Trump being mad that DeSantis is even getting headlines, is even talking to donors about possibly running, which right now he is not. So when he says, or when the narration says, DeSantis is now attacking the very man who saved his career, let's go ahead and look up all the file footage of Ron DeSantis attacking Donald Trump. Oh, wait, file not found. <laughs> I think the only thing he has done, he's had subliminals, but there's been no out and out Donald Trump's a loser. He's a raw sucker. We go back to the narration. Isn't it time DeSantis remembers how he got where he is? And this is where it goes into overdrive. There's a quote from an ad that we've played on this show many times. And that is the most sycophantic political ad I have ever seen in my entire life. It was Ron DeSantis when he was running uh, running for governor. And it is him reading or uh, him educating his then infant children. Like his son in this ad is just a sack of potatoes, like barely uh, 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 sentient, right? And He's reading uh, uh, like a, a picture book to him saying, make America great again. He has a bunch of building blocks in front of his daughter and he's saying, build the wall. And then he is reading to his son uh, the art of the deal. And then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. This is a very clear message. Ron DeSantis, you are only famous because of me. Donald Trump. The fact that you think you're anything else than just a balloon that I blew up and then uh, uh, placed in Florida because there's only so many places I can run, then you are mistaken. You are not special. You are certainly, certainly not me, the great Chungus. If you want to remain relevant, you will do what you did before. Be a supplicant. Be a vassal. You will be a, a, a viceroy at best. You are a banner man. You are not the king. Because, and we go to our, our, uh, our final line here from the narrator. Truth is, there's only one person who can make America great. Again. I'm Donald John Trump and I approve this message. Just something to behold. Just so amazing. Uh, uh, you know, it, it is a, for an audience of one. I don't know how many voters in Iowa or New Hampshire or any of the people that are going to be uh, uh, making a decision between Trump or DeSantis would look at this as a disqualifying reason for DeSantis to run or at least the people that would make it a disqualifying tactic are are already diehard Trump voters. I mean, if they're saying that DeSantis sucks because he's disloyal. There you go. Amazing. Truly amazing. It, it, it is. It rivals the first ad that he put out in 2016 where he called for a full and complete stop of immigration 
until our elected officials can find out what's going on. <laughs> not like like to initiate a comprehensive review, not to do a full audit, not to publish the books. No, until our elected officials can determine what's going on. Call Marvin Gaye. Hoo-wee. All that being said, I saw a poll that had DeSantis in the low 20s today. Not good, Ronnie. Ronnie's around the world. Run, Ronnie, run. A Mr. Show movie. At a certain point, he's going to have to stand and fight. And we are rapidly approaching the moment in which it's going to be a crap or get off the pot situation for the Florida governor. Right after the break, we will have the money man, Dave Leventhal, breaking down everything that we have learned in terms of financial disclosures for the 24 race. Right after this. Your update is brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go if you want to support this show. At the $3 level, you get two bonus episodes each and every week. One on Monday, one on Thursday. It's a good time. Please head on over right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. More signs are pointing to a recession across the financial industry. The overwhelming consensus is that the economy will struggle this year with more than a dozen big banks in recent weeks forecasting little or no growth and possibly the R word as the Federal Reserve drives up interest rates to kill inflation and fresh risk looms that Biden's reelection campaign economy, including potentially market shaking fights over raising the debt limit and the risk of a banking industry meltdown that's causing lenders to tighten up credit. Quote, the U.S. economy is unwell and it's starting to show, says Gregory Daco, chief economist at EY Parthenon. The government's latest GDP report Thursday underlined those concerns. The Commerce Department reported the economy expanded by just 1.1% in the first three months of the year, well below the 2% growth expectation and down from the 2.6% growth of the fourth quarter last year. There is one thing. That will drag presidency down. And that is the economy. We say it all the time. If we are entering into a recession, the only question for Joe Biden is when do we show signs that we are coming out? And will it happen close to election? If you are a member of our Patreon, then you get a bonus episode on uh, Thursday, wherein I actually covered in greater detail both of these stories that I'm about to mention, but I do want to touch on them and give you guys some added context. Tucker Carlson posted a short video message on Twitter that has racked up at the time that I am recording this 57 million views. The cryptic two-minute message was posted around 8 p.m. on Wednesday and did not address his sudden departure from Fox News. In comparison, President Biden's relaunch video posted 24 hours earlier, so therefore it had more time, garnered 41.8 million views. Carlson, who commanded a nightly audience north of 3 million at Fox, criticized the cable news business, calling most of the debates on television unbelievably stupid. Tucker Carlson's going to start a podcast. We talk more about it on the Patreon, so you can go there if you want to hear all that. President Joe Biden spent four months challenging Republicans to do one simple thing when it came to the debt ceiling, writes Politico. Show a plan. You show me yours, I'll show you mine, was his favorite refrain. And yet now, House Republicans narrow Wednesday passage of a debt limit bill packed with spending cuts and conservative priorities is forcing the White House to shift tactics. That vote is kicking off a new phase in the high-stakes standoff that will test Democrats' ability to stay united 
and follow through on their threats to make vulnerable GOP lawmakers pay for supporting a politically toxic plan. The White House and congressional Democrats are preparing to ramp up attacks on House Republicans over the bill, targeting swing district members for endorsing policies that would strip investment in their home districts and gut funding for popular programs. Biden's party insists that it is feeling little pressure to deliver on House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's biggest ask, a true negotiation over the debt ceiling. Biden is refusing to budge from his demand that Congress pass an unconditional increase to the debt ceiling, betting that he still holds the stronger hand in the face of an economic catastrophe. And while a smattering of moderate Democrats have begun urging the president to actually negotiate with Republicans, the majority of the party seems content to showcase the GOP bill that they see as a self-inflicted wound for swing seats. D.C. is going to D.C. There's one thing all of you to know, anybody who's listening to my voice, they don't actually care about solving this problem as much as they are going to act like it is a gigantic issue that we all need to deal with. They would rather earn political wins against each other than actually solve it. Just what it is. No shame in the game. Just letting everybody know the rules. And that is your update. Take politics seriously. Dot com is where you need to go to get on the pay train. One dollar a week gets you a ad free fee. Three dollars a week gets you two bonus episodes. Folks, it's all there for you. Take politics seriously. Dot com. Welcome back to the show, Dave. It is great to be back on the show, Justin. And hopefully we will be hearing from you more regularly because now we are into the meat of our primary fundraising season. And this essentially is the beginning of what will undoubtedly be various different cycles, expectations, underperformances, overperformances. And we begin with one side of the coin. And that of course is the front runner for the Republican nomination, Donald Trump. He actually, even by fairly, you know, uh, professional wrestling referee standards that the FEC has was, was more uh, uh, tardy than others when it came to filing. He, he was, and, and let's just step back for a moment. I'm, I'm sure your honorable listening audience is gnashing its teeth and tearing its clothes over the idea that we are already talking about fundraising and money for the 2024 presidential election, which is more than a year and a half away. But I, I am here for better or for worse to tell you that the game uh, or the wrestling match, as it were, yeah. is it uh, is afoot and 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 the drama has begun and Donald Trump as you had noted kind of kicked things off in in a a most quintessential Donald Trump kind of way by refusing in violation of federal law in the midst of all of the other legal things that he's got going on right now and saying ah eh, there's a deadline for me to reveal information about my personal finances uh I don't care I'm going to let it come. I'm going to let it go. And I will get you that information, Federal Election Commission, when I darned well feel like it. So he was about a month late. Okay. And, and it is in now. Excellent, it has, it has been submitted. It is in now. So we, we got to find out, you know, what he was up to. Some very interesting things in there, as you would expect to be the case when Donald Trump, again, is revealing information about his personal finances. For example, he makes a pretty fat pension from two union organizations, uh, the Actors Union, the Screen Actors Guild, yeah, lots of books and royalties and different property holdings. But the point here is there's going to be absolutely, I mean, effectively no ramifications for him just walking right through that door and 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 saying, well, you know, no, I, I don't. I don't care to abide by the law. And that's more or less what he did. He will probably have to pay a $200 fine. Yeah. 200 as in 200.00. Yeah. Not 2000, not 2 million, no. but 
you know, so I mean, he he could reach into his pocket and 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 pay that off like that. But it goes to show and underscore a broader point, which we've discussed in the past, which is that federal law for uh, for requiring politicians to abide by these types of financial laws is notoriously weak, and, yeah. and that the penalties for violating a law or for being late with a disclosure or anything of the sort is minimal, if anything at all. And that was the case with Donald Trump as well. What did he have to file? Because this this wasn't a, a disclosure on money that came in in the way that we'll be talking about some of the the, the quarterly reports that, that have to come in. This was to begin his campaign. He had to file personal information about his financial state. Federal law requires all presidential candidates to, on an annual basis, release a personal financial disclosure that will include uh, different types of things ranging from one's assets and income and debts and stock holdings. Uh, you know, if if it's an asset that you can claim to have value, with a few exceptions, you've got to put it basically on on this rote form, and you mm-hmm. have to file it with the Federal Election Commission, and it becomes a matter of public record after you do. And you have to sign it and certify it and attest to it being valid and true to the best of your knowledge. Uh, the problem is, if you if you don't file it, then there's very little that the government can do to compel you to release it. And we've seen this not only with presidential candidates, but there's a similar system in place for members of Congress. For, oh, lo and behold, Supreme Court justices. And if you ask yeah. Clarence Thomas about this these days, I uh, might get some interesting thoughts about how he feels about this disclosure regime and also to executive branch uh, officials. So slightly different rules depending on what part of the government you're in. But the general principle here is, hey, look, you're revealing this information about your personal finances so that the public will have an opportunity to decide for itself. And if it gets to that point, the government will have something to say. If your personal investments and your personal assets are coming somehow into conflict with your public duties and responsibilities as an elected official or a key appointed official. And unfortunately for the public, the system oftentimes does not live up to its uh, lofty ideals. Uh, and, and the law is not abided uh, in, in a way that you would expect it it should be as a citizen who wants good government and, and thinks that their officials should be doing the right thing. All right. So with, with uh, uh, Trump trumping it around, let's get to what will be the meat of all these stories. If you have not listened to this show in the past, if you have not heard Dave on this show in the past, this is the season when we will see a lot of buzz around financial disclosures for fundraising throughout the primary process. It is something for which we'll be ranked against each other. We will use it as a way to show momentum, as a way to show flagging momentum if something comes up uh, uh, shorter than we might expect. So, So let's just get the lay of the land here. When are these disclosures due? Uh, Have we hit one of those deadlines yet? And where are they in the future? So different deadlines for different races, but I'm going to presume that you're talking about the presidential race here. We are about, we are about the big one. And we just got a deadline that, uh, that came and passed for presidential candidates in the middle of April, and it gave us kind of a first glimpse of what the declared candidates, yes, the big asterisks there, de- declared candidates are doing with their own campaign committees, the money that they're raising, the money that they're spending, if they already have some debt, et cetera, et cetera. And, and what we can see to just give you the broad lay of the land is that Donald Trump, who's been a candidate since November, yeah. arguably has unofficially been running for the presidency since the day he left the White House on January 20th, 2021. Uh, he's got lots of money in the bank, although his fundraising numbers weren't quite as strong as perhaps he would like them to be. Now, that is talking about his own campaign committee. Donald Trump's got a lot of different things going on, not the yeah. least of which is a super PAC called Make America Great Again Incorporated, 
which by virtue of it being a super PAC, which is a political committee that although it cannot coordinate directly with Donald Trump, can employ all of Donald Trump's associates and friends and raise unlimited amounts of money and then spend unlimited amounts of money to advocate directly for Donald Trump's election, or for that matter, for the defeat of any candidate who is running against Donald Trump, be that a Republican or, as we now know, a Democrat in Joe Biden who yeah. has officially announced that he is running for re-election in 2024. And that's a huge weapon, a massive weapon, one that does not adhere to any type of limitations on the money that can be raised, like a candidate's own committee has to adhere to. And uh, and that's doing pretty well and can get an infusion of $10 million or $50 million at the drop of a hat. Of course, the ultimate weapon that Donald Trump has, if he chooses to use it, is his own money. But yeah. as we well know, Donald Trump has not been using his own money anytime really in the past several years, unless he absolutely has to, in a political context. So you really have to go back to the beginnings of his campaign in 2015 when he infused his own operation with any significant self-funded money. Uh, otherwise, he's been relying on the generosity of MAGA nation in order to uh, fund his various political operations. All right. So when you say it was not his personal uh, uh, campaign, the campaign, his campaign uh, coffers were not quite what some might have uh, expected. What are the actual numbers there? I don't have them right in front of me, but we're talking, uh, we're talking eight figures here, which okay. is nothing to sneeze at by any stretch of the imagination. And he's got well into the eight figures of money in reserve. So we're talking yeah. in the 30 to $40 million range. Uh, sorry, I can't give it down to a penny here, but that's fine. It, it's a, it's the amount of money that will definitely at this juncture be fine. He's going to be able to hire all the staff that he needs to. He's going to be able to go to his make America great again, rallies, and stage them as he is wont to do. And he'll run his campaign as a candidate would love to run their campaign in the year before the the real game happens when we start having people vote and we have primaries and caucuses yeah. and and the, the campaign is, is truly uh, in speed. So Donald Trump is fine. And anyone who says that, oh, well, these numbers indicate that he's not doing really well, Whatever. I mean, Donald yeah. Trump is going to be okay, uh, at least at, at this point. The big question is, is is he going to have to spend, as he gets more and more competition coming online, going to have to spend in a way that Joe Biden, for example, will not have to spend? Because Joe Biden, so long as he stays healthy and continues to run for re-election in 2024, he's not going to have to burn any cash in a primary, yes, you can say Marianne Williamson is running against him and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running against him, but these are, are people who Joe Biden will ignore and, yes. and Donald Trump cannot and and, and, and and the Democratic Party will ignore. They will make both of them unpersons and, and, and never, never will they percent. be. Yes, this is going to be 1984. They will not be but, referred to. Exactly. But Donald Trump will not be able to ignore everyone running for the GOP nomination. Nor, nor, nor does he nor does he want to. Right. Because he is taking big aim at Ron DeSantis. The larger question for Trump, if you look at it money wise, is that by the end of the 2020 reelection campaign, uh, you know, when he fired his first campaign manager, something for which uh, I think we should probably set the over under at this point at probably 1.5 of uh, a campaign managers before uh, Donald Trump's campaign is over. But he burnt through a lot of cash. They they did not have the kind of money that they needed to to spend in the home stretch of that race. Now, granted, 2020, a very bizarre race, a very weird one. Joe Biden was not a great fundraiser, either through the primary or really through the general as well. So maybe it didn't show in the same kind of way. But I do believe that Biden is going to be a absolute money powerhouse this cycle. And Trump's campaign seems to be making a lot of noises that they are a more threadbare and cost conscious organization than they were last time. So we will we will we will keep an eye on that. But right now, no gigantic signs of financial stress 
for the Trump organization, which I agree with you. Any kind of pessimism there, considering he's been running since November and he's been fundraising earlier than than most people have, I would not look at that askance. Well, I will throw one number at you very quickly, which uh, is is kind of a fascinating element. We talked about the Make America Great Again super PAC that's supporting Donald Trump. What has that been up to? Well, I'll tell you what. It's been spending millions of dollars trying to soften up a candidate who isn't even in the race yet, and that is Ron DeSantis. So, for example, just a couple of days ago, it dropped $1.5 million worth of television advertisements, anti-Ron DeSantis television advertisements, into the TV bloodstream, okay? This is a guy, again, underscore, has not even announced that he's running for president yet. Now, will he? Quite possibly. Almost certainly. But what we see right now is sort of this weird situation where the super PAC is serving as the long range artillery guns to soften up somebody, maybe even, you know, with the intent of hoping that he won't get into the race. But if he does, that he's going to be a weakened, diminished candidate who has been more or less uh, colored by these types of messages and communications that Donald Trump and his allies are supporting and that Ron DeSantis at this point really can't respond to in kind, if any way at all, because he's just not in the race yet. Yeah, for now. Uh, uh, although that that is that is a the longer that goes, the more you got to wonder uh, uh, if not now, when Mr. Right. DeSantis, will you stop taking incoming fire and start fighting back? Let's talk to somebody else who about somebody else who is indeed in this race. And that is the curious accounting of Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley filed uh, uh, her fundraising notices. It didn't look bad. In fact, it looked kind of good. But then some folks started digging into the numbers and it might be smoke and mirrors. Explain, Dave. So in general, and this applies to Nikki Haley, but it applies to lots of other politicians too at any level of politics. When a politician comes out and says, all right, my books just closed. And I had this amazing fundraising quarter or fundraising month, and I raised all of this money. And then, and then you you try to dig into it a little bit and add up the numbers that they've got in their press release, and it it doesn't quite add up. Or maybe you have a few questions, but it looks fine. Don't take that with a grain of salt. Take that yeah. with a salt mine's worth of salt, <laughs> because the opportunity for fuzzy math and for using numbers in a way that is tantamount to torture is is 100% on the side of the candidate and the candidate's committee. They they can kind of do and say whatever they want at that point. And then a couple weeks later, when they actually have to put this stuff in black and white on paper and send it to a government agency with a signature on it saying, yeah. yes, this, this is the truth. When you compare the press release to the actual disclosure filed with the Federal Election Commission or the analogous state government agency. Uh, Big surprise here, but sometimes they don't quite match up. And that's what we had with Nikki Haley. I mean, in essence, to distill it down, her initial press release type announcement of how much money she made intermingled different funds with each other in double-counted things. And you know, this is, I, I will take 20 seconds here to explain a little bit of the please, particular here. Please. We love you, it. With many campaigns, they they just don't have a campaign. Now, we just talked about Donald Trump, how he, he has a campaign committee, but there are also these supportive super PACs. It gets even more complicated with Donald Trump because he has political action committees separate and apart from his campaign committee. And then he has this thing called a joint fundraising committee, which is sort of like this funnel where people can like throw money into it. And then after the fact, it gets parceled out to different committees that are associated with Donald Trump. Well, Nikki Haley has kind of, you know, not as extensive an operation as we just described for Donald Trump, but a nascent operation that is not just her campaign committee. So when you have all these different things going around, and even for people who report on it, it's difficult to track where you know this chunk of money is going when and to where, uh, it can be very easy for a candidate, either willfully or by accident, to kind of obfuscate the, the 
the route of money and the path of money and the sharing of money and the bottom line number of how much they raised and how much they spent. We saw this with Nikki Haley. It will not be the first time this political election cycle. Uh, we, we will probably be talking about 20, 30, 50, 100 examples by the yeah. end of all of this of where this kind of shenanigans were taking place. And a lot of this is because it's public momentum, right? Like we are you know, in the cycle where when a deadline is showing up, that's when the emails start pouring into your inbox. They often have a very dire or urgent tone to them. We need to getting blown out of the water. Uh, this is the end. Uh, the the subject lines will will read. And then at the end, what you want to do is demonstrate, hey, guys, we all pulled together as best we could. Look at like what look at what happens when we work together. Like there's very much. An, an emotional play that sort of goes along around these deadlines, right? Without question. There, there's kind of two things going on here. And number one is, as you just laid it out, there's sort of this, you know, constant, all right, guys, we're, we're at the edge of Armageddon. And if you don't send in your $7 or your $27 or, or whatever, and, and make that extra donation, if you've donated 10 times, we need the 11th donation right now, then, then our whole world is going to fall apart and, and we will lose. So the urgency and, and then being able to say at the end that, oh, hey, guys, you know, we, we did we walk did up it. to the edge of Armageddon and we survived and we're thriving now. Yay. But, you know, next month, it's going to be the same drill all over again. So that's one aspect to it. It's It's the ultimate, you know kind of bait and switch type thing. I mean, they're, they're all different types of PR and advertisement techniques that yes. are being used uh, in play here. So, so that's one thing. The other thing too, it, it's more fundamental, but when those actual numbers do come out and we're able to parse Federal Election Commission disclosures and ask the question of, all right, well, is this candidate for real? they need to be able to demonstrate that they actually have raised some money. You know, money is definitely a barometer of legitimacy. Yeah. It's not a perfect barometer of legitimacy, but it is a barometer. And if a candidate can't raise money or is only self-funding his or her campaign, but not getting really any support to speak of from average Americans, well, then you have to ask the question, all right, well, if people are not donating to this campaign and supporting this campaign and showing enough interest in the, their campaign where they're going to like slap down their credit card and donate 50 bucks, then how do we expect that anyone is going to go out and volunteer for this campaign and ultimately vote for this campaign? So, you know, money is sort of that that initial test where if you can clear the bar enough then people are going to take you more seriously. The press, certainly yeah. speaking you know, about what we would do, will take you a little bit more seriously. Just because you don't have money doesn't mean that we're going to ignore you completely, but you definitely become more fringy than somebody who's coming in out of the gate and raising millions and millions of dollars left and right. I mean, it shows that there is energy out there and a desire from the body politic to at least be interested in this candidate say nothing about supporting the candidates straight up. In the 2024 cycle, and I'm going to ask you to, to, to generalize here, but this is something that's really evolved and changed over the last few. The percentage of small dollar donations to large uh, uh, fundraising gifts from various different places. We've seen, especially with Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, two great examples of small dollar you know, uh, turbines of cash that, that come in and probably are, have reset the balance of, I think what the, what, what is expected or what uh, uh, people think the average of that kind of fundraising should be as we move into this cycle, what do you think the, the healthy average is of small dollar money to large gifts? Well, healthy, I'll, I'll presume you mean that by uh, something that a candidate will feel good yes, about. Yes, yes. Or, or we, yeah. or you, you as somebody who watches this will be like, oh, wow, that's a lot of small dollar donations or, oh, geez, that's not a lot. So I think it, in this day and age going into the 2024 cycle, and this yeah. is based in part on what we saw in 2016 and 2020, but also extrapolating forward, 
I think if you got a candidate who is bringing in more than 50% of their overall cash haul by uh, through small dollar donations, and let's define that, small yeah. dollar donations would be something that would be uh, $200 or less. So yeah. a, a donation that you know would be $10 or $100. This is, this is, this is Act Blue. This is Win Red. This is all of, of that uh, a super instantaneous one button click on Apple Play, uh, Apple Pay recurring payments. Uh, that that entire genre of of donating, it, uh, yes, and uh, precisely. And if you're more than fifty percent in terms of the total gross amount of money that that you're bringing in, you're probably feeling good because again, it goes back to that barometer aspect of money, but in the other direction. Lots of little donations adding up means that all right. Well, to get to that big number, you got to have hundreds of thousands or millions of people who are excited enough about your campaign to make any kind of donation, whether it's a dollar or a thousand dollars or whatever. I mean, they are giving you money. And if you give somebody money, you are invested in that campaign. You are a vested supporter. And with that comes lots of different things that a campaign can do to get you to volunteer, to support, yeah. to make phone calls, to get other people involved which in a primary season, uh, as we're coming up to in 2024, is incredibly important, for especially for candidates who aren't Donald Trump and are trying to knock him uh, off his pedestal. So this is uh, kind of a red flag, I think, for any candidate who is relying on big dollar donors and, and primarily big dollar donors in this age of small dollar donors and, and very quickly, I just want to address, well, all right, why are we even here in the first place? Well, we're here in the first place because small dollar donations are just so easy. You mentioned yeah. ActBlue and WinRed, these donation platforms. Um, you know, the real fundraising is happening there. It, it's all online. Were we having this conversation 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Well, it was always a big dollar donation game because- People were writing paper checks. Yeah. People were people were going to physical fundraising events. You know, when you can pull out your phone and in eight seconds make a you know text a donation to a candidate, or you've got all your information saved Amazon style on ActBlue or WinRed, and you just hit another button and make that ten dollar donation. I mean, politicians have sort of become the you know, the Sarah McLaughlin save the puppies mm -hmm. type operation where everything is an emotional appeal, you know, short of like the sad music, you're you, you've got all the other things to inveigle people to just, you know, take their outrage and turn it into action. And action is money uh, in this case. And money may be five dollars, it may be ten dollars. It, it may be getting people to make reoccurring donations and on. Oh. Even better. Fascinating, Justin, one fascinating aspect of this is these super donors who are not super donors in the sense that they're giving huge amounts of money. They're super donors in the sense that they are making hundreds and in some rare cases, even thousands of individual donations, either because they are making reoccurring monthly donations that they've set up. And then on top of that, making individual donations over and over again when they see some video where they're outraged yep. by what Joe Biden is doing or freaked out by the latest Donald Trump antic, they can go and they can also on top of that make a donation. So it empowers people in a way or people oh, yeah. feel empowered by it. And as a result, this is to the, the benefit in aggregate uh, of many politicians who have over the past decade relied increasingly on this phenomenon of small dollar donors, not just making one small dollar donation, but 10 or 50 or 100 or 1,000. Uh, I just want to point out to everybody, this is going to air on Friday, but we're recording it right after Joe Biden has announced that he is running for president and he has released his video uh, announcing such. The end, the call to action at the end of this video is to go to JoeBiden.com. I have not yet been to JoeBiden.com, but I will say with 100% assurity that the first thing you see when you go to JoeBiden.com is to 
uh, spend money on the campaign is to donate money to the campaign, either through a pop-up or through the front page of, of that, of that website. Oh my, my goodness. I mean, if, if anyone out there was expecting that, oh, well, you know, he's going to give it 24 hours and he's just going to let the, the message and, and the emotion of his three minute video. No. And then we're going to ask for money. Well, <laughs> you will be very, very colossally wrong. And the, fundraising operation I, I, it was i think 15 minutes after the video dropped that the first fundraising message came out uh, i yeah. got an email and then later i got a text message and then i've gotten two more text messages cuz i'm signed up to all these lists on the left and the right yep uh, and then the emails have kept coming and the pop-ups are everywhere uh, i haven't checked but i'm sure there's Plenty of advertising and there's uh super PACs that are also going to support Joe Biden. And, and, and probably by the time that this airs, there will have already been a gigantic number that will be associated with his first 24 hours of fundraising, because that's another thing that shows momentum is that, hey, in the first 24 hours, some gigantic heap of cash. Uh, before I let you go, I just want to uh, add one more thing on this small dollar donation revolution uh, of guesstimate here but like back in 2008 you know what is understood to be a, an exceptionally popular and well-run campaign with with barack obama we weren't there technologically with small dollar donations in the way that we are now act blue was nascent if if you know non-existent um what percentage would small dollar donations have been to a campaign like that which seems for some of us like yesterday so at the presidential level, even for Barack Obama, who was an innovator in this yeah. area, we were still relying on if you wanted to make an online donation, you would sit down at your desktop computer mm -hmm. and you would go to a website that was fairly clunky and you'd have to put in all your information and it wouldn't save it. So anytime you wanted to make a donation, you'd have to do it all over again. And it, your options were limited. There was no Apple Pay. You know, you're probably using your the, the iPhone was the only the iPhone was card. only announced the year before. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, yeah. So all the things that we take for granted today, technologically, were really not in place, or only just at, at the beginnings of what we know them to be today, i.e., the iPhone. So overall, I mean, we we were talking, and, and I wish I could quote you again a, a direct yeah. number here. But we're talking low double digits here when it came to small dollar donations of the sort that are being raised today. And I mean specifically online donations yeah. that are, are coming from not writing a paper check, not literally in the form of paper money, um, that type of stuff, or, or sending in a form with your credit card number on it, or making even a phone donation, which was still a thing then that it isn't today. And so the game was very different. You have to kind of go back to like Howard Dean in 2004 for really sort of the ultimate kind of like real turning point of somebody using the power yeah. of the internet in order to Ron Paul, I would say the Ron Paul money bombs were also too uh, a, a big thing. Although that was, was that 04 or 08? Well, uh, that, I mean, we're getting 08, 08. and, and 12. 08. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dean was very much an innovator in this. And, you know, Obama and Paul, I think, would, would be the two people who, who really took it kind of to the next level before yeah. we have the system now, that we have. All the tools. Today. Exactly. Yeah. But totally, totally different. And it it's just it, that goes to show how much easier it is today for people to make small dollar donations uh, and how it can be done in seconds as opposed to minutes, which is really the difference between then and now. All right. Well, this will not be the last time that you hear from the money man, Dave Leventhal, this season. We are going to be talking a lot about fundraising numbers, a lot about the money that's coming in to fund this presidential race. Thank you so much, man. Uh, Raw Story is where you find the work of Mr. Leventhal these days. What's popping over there? Oh, lots is popping right now. Uh, we've got a whole slew of new investigations. I note i've uh, been at raw story since january and our big push here in 2023 is to produce a whole lot of unique and original journalism that you are not going to find anywhere else uh we got one heck of a story about uh marjorie taylor green for example who mm -hmm. has made it uh, quite a cause of hers to advocate for 
the rights and the uh, living conditions of January 6th prisoners who are sitting in the D.C. jail. Well, one of our reporters uh, did uh, an investigative story about the conditions in the jail that is in Whitfield County, Georgia, which just so happens to be right in the heart of Marjorie Taylor Greene's congressional district. Uh, we talked to a whole bunch of uh, people who are jailed there, and uh, I will tease you with uh, the idea that they had some thoughts about what Marjorie Taylor Greene is doing, or for that matter, not doing, and these are many of her supporters, too, who are behind bars there. Okay. Well, you're going to have to keep your eyes peeled to Raw Story. Dave, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to thank the money man, Dave Leventhal, you can go so, go so. You can go your own way to px3guest, that is letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. You can email the show at theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Twitter is px3tweets for the show, Justin R. Young for me. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy, px3podcast.com. You can support us, paypal.me slash payjury on PayPal. Venmo is Justin-Young-20. Look, it ain't real. Venmo money in real. Cash app is PX3Cash. And you can send anything you'd like to me in the P.O. Box. P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you could always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. Ten dollar tier. Jason, Andres, Matt, John Gross, C. Garcia, Matthew T. Albasso, John, Craig Potts, MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yeo, Pinball Shop, DP for Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA Select Start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, Hundred Mile Runner, Aegis Arslanian, Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, he's awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, Middle Age Mike, who loves Frank, got abducted, Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen A, L, D, L, D, L, D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, Joshua, you want your name read? On the show, just that simple. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. We'll be back next week. If you are on the Patreon, you will hear from me on Monday morning. Until next time, this is your old pal, Jury, say it. Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh! Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.